If you would take your Bibles in hand and turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3. We're going to read up through the whole of chapter 4, which is the main body of our text today. Hebrews 3, beginning with verse 12. After the reading of God's holy word, we will sing the Gloria Patre, which is printed in your bulletin. And please stand as we read. This is the word of God. Pay attention to it. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For, who, for we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God 
endures forever. Amen. Let us bow our heads once more in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word, which we have just read, and we ask that you would add your blessing to the reading of this, your word. We ask that you would be with me, that I would speak your word in spirit and truth and in power, not only knowing what to say, but how to say it, that your name and your word would be exalted. And please grant that your word would not fall on deaf ears, but that we would all have open ears and eyes to see and hearts that delight in you and in your word, ready to receive it with joy and humility, that your name would be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. Typically, when I approach a text, I will take it verse by verse or take each portion by itself, but this sermon, we're going to take the main point of this passage uh, as, as the whole of this sermon, so keep that in mind as we're going through. But when you think of the Sabbath, what do you normally think of? By my observation, the church today tends to be like ancient Israel. When we hear the word Sabbath, we think of the prohibitions, the the Sabbath statutes. Do this, don't do this. Do not labor on the Sabbath, for it is holy to the Lord. We often have a, a mindset which tends towards legalism. That's what we think of when we think of the Sabbath. But the question is, is that really what God is concerned about with His Sabbaths? Is the primary concern of God, do not labor on this day I have set aside. Just just don't work. Don't pick up sticks. Don't sew your blankets. Don't do X, Y, or Z, whatever your work might be. Is that really the primary concern of God. Take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah 58. You have two verses there which are very insightful for us on this topic. Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. God, through His prophet Isaiah, says this, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of Yahweh honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in Yahweh. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, For the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. The Sabbath day is meant to be a delight. A day which we delight in God Himself. It is so much more than just rest from your labors. It is so much more than rest for our weary bodies. And yet, when Israel considered the promises of God, the statutes of God, 
they most frequently were only considering the, the earthly, what was immediately before them, the benefits which God promised. They looked to the typological land promise, the promised land of the Old Testament, to the land of Israel, where if you believe and obey, you will enter into the rest of the promised land, which the author of Hebrews, in quoting Psalm 95, says, because of their disobedience, God loathed that generation when Israel rebelled against Him. And He shut them out from entering His rest. Because Israel was concerned merely with the earthly. They did not lift their minds up to the heavenly matters, to the spiritual realities which are promised in the Sabbath. And because their minds were exalted to nothing more than what was immediately before them, they could do nothing but fail to heed God's Word. Don't think to yourself for a moment here, well, Pastor, maybe you're being a little too harsh on Israel. They didn't have the completed canon, the full gospel as we have it today. Well, of course they didn't. But the author of Hebrews says, the good news came to us just as to them. That word good news is euangelion. The gospel came to us just as to them. And what he is saying is that even though they did not have Jesus incarnate, Jesus in the flesh, they had the promise. They had the gospel in seed form. They looked forward to, they anticipated the coming Messiah. They had received that news and they refused it. They did not believe. They did not have faith. They did not understand the importance of the Sabbaths to God. What it meant to have rest. Turn to Ezekiel 20. We'll read a good handful of verses from this chapter. Ezekiel 20, and we'll begin with verse 8. We'll see in these verses what God's concern is for His Sabbath. Ezekiel 20, verse 8, But they rebelled against Me and were not willing to listen to Me. None of them cast away the detestable things their eyes feasted on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said I would pour out My wrath upon them and spend My anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived, in whose sight I made myself known to them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. So I led them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my statutes and made known to them my rules by which, if a person does them, he shall live. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they might know that I am Yahweh 
who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes, but rejected my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. And my Sabbaths they greatly profaned. Skip down to verse 16. Because they rejected my rules and did not walk in my statutes and profaned my Sabbaths, for their heart went away after idols. Nevertheless, my eyes spared them, and I did not destroy them or make a full end of them in the wilderness. And I said to their children in the wilderness, Do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor keep their rules, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am Yahweh your God. Walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules and keep my Sabbaths holy, that they may be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am Yahweh your God. But the children rebelled against me. They did not walk in my statutes and were not careful to obey my rules, by which, if a person does them, he shall live. They profaned my Sabbaths. We see two things here in this passage. One, we see the immense concern God has for the holiness, the sanctity of his Sabbaths. And second, we go back to our original question. What is God's concern? Why is he so concerned for these Sabbaths? Was it merely because the people labored on his day, that he poured out his wrath on them. No, of course not. He poured out his wrath because of what the Sabbath signified. They signify his presence with his people. He says, moreover, I gave them my Sabbath as a sign between me and them that they might know I am Yahweh who sanctifies them. My Sabbaths were meant to be a sign to say this is the people of God. A sign that says you are devoted to me and I am devoted to you. They signify the the promised rest of eternal peace and presence with God Almighty. And so for his people to profane his Sabbaths was for his people to refuse his presence. It was to exchange God for some cheap substitute, for some cheap idol. Think of the prodigal son. We see a picture of this there. You have the two sons and the father, and the younger son comes to the father and and says, give me my inheritance and let me take off to a foreign land. You understand what he's saying there? He's saying, father, I want the blessedness, I want the reward, I want the inheritance, but I don't want you. I wish that you were dead so that I could have your stuff. Give me my inheritance. Israel wanted the kingdom, but they didn't want God in it. 
They exchanged God for idols. They wanted the blessing without the presence of God. Sabbath rest is rest in God. And it is a picture of what we, we, God has promised us in the coming ages. Perfect union and peace with Him forever. And as the author of Hebrews says, that rest yet remains. That is something that we still anticipate, that we are to anticipate today. The rest still remains for the people of God. And so the question for us today is, do we, like Israel, profane His Lord's day? We often think of Again, the prohibitions. Do this, don't do that. The Sabbath is often just a day to fill up your quota. And it's nothing more than that. And we too fail to recognize the spiritual realities signified by this day. We'll put... Things or events or people first, we give them priority rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, when we gather here together every Lord's Day, it's not merely about us. It's not merely about what we can gain from church, being edified by the Word. Of course, all very important things but it's almost as if the church today has, has forgotten what it means. You know, when, when you leave Sunday morning to go to church and your neighbor says, where are you going on a Sunday morning? And you say, I'm going to worship. What does that word mean for us? Worship. Worship who? Yourself? It's always, what what can I get out of this? It's not, I'm going to celebrate the joyful presence of God Almighty. You worship the NFL? Super Bowl Sunday? It's amazing to me. Sunday evening comes around on Super Bowl Sunday, and the attendance dwindles. Anytime you choose one thing over another, there's a priority given, right? I want this. I prefer X over Y. What is that saying of who you're worshiping when you say, I'd prefer to see people throw a football than go and worship the one true and living God who has purchased my soul from hell, poured out His wrath on His Son, wrath which I deserve, why should I go and celebrate that communion and union with Him when I can watch men tackle each other? Or whatever category you have there, whether it's football or anything else, 
There's a priority given. When we gather here together, it is to worship the one true and living God, to delight in the presence and the beauty of Jesus Christ Himself, because it's here that we have a foretaste of the glory of heavenly Sabbath rest. Do not substitute the glorious presence of God for some cheap substitute. The psalmist has said, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Do we long to gather together with the saints and praise the living God? Let us cultivate a heart for God. The rest which God gives us is a wonderful and gracious gift. Let us celebrate that gift and use it. I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but we have a wonderful picture of that in our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted around the world. When they go to worship every Sunday, they're saying, I I know this could be the last. I know that I might be torn apart from my family today. I might be beaten and bruised because of my faith. I might be murdered because of my faith. And even in the midst of all that, they say it is more desirable that I go to worship the living God than that I should lose my life, than that I should lose my family, than that I should be imprisoned for the rest of my life. May God grant that we would all Cultivate that very same passion and delight for Him as we see our brothers and sisters around the world living out their faith. Because they know this. Turn to Hebrews 12. This is what is promised and pictured vividly for us in Sabbath rest. We'll begin with verse 18 of Hebrews 12. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, 
Much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. Verse 28, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. What we have portrayed for us here is a picture of heavenly Sabbath rest. And it begins, of course, with Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, you have this picture of blazing fire, darkness, gloom, a tempest, the sound of a trumpet and the voice of God. All of these things inspired fear and dread. Even Moses himself, who is The man of God in Scripture says, I tremble with fear. And then the author of Hebrews says, that's not what you've come to. You have come to the heavenly city, New Jerusalem. The city of God. What you have come to is is angels in festal array, the saints made perfect and righteous, gathered together, and as it were, looking up to the mountain, the pinnacle, which is Jesus Christ Himself, and worshiping, delighting in God, rejoicing in Him. And the author of Hebrews in chapter 4 is saying, we get a taste of that here. That is what we are awaiting. That is our hope. And when we gather together as saints in the name of Jesus Christ, you taste that glorious celebration. Well, how could we ever approach that without fear and trembling? If we go back to the prodigal son, what we see there is is amazing love, amazing grace. As the son who had been living in horrific sin comes is walking back to his father. He's saying to himself, I will speak to my father that and say Just make me one of your hired servants. In other words, I'm going to work my way back into your good graces. But what happens? You have the father who sees him and rushes out to meet his son. And the text reads as though the son is about to speak and the father embraces him and snuffs the words out of him. And Sinclair Ferguson has an excellent point here. He says, in that culture, the father should have taken the son, brought him into the city, and publicly shamed and humiliated him. And for him to embrace the son was to say, I will take your shame upon myself. I will bear your sin on myself, which you have committed against me. Now let us kill the fattened calf and celebrate the sweet fellowship between father and son. My son is part of the family again. Celebration. That is the gift which God gives 
to all those who believe in Him through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we each receive the sweet fellowship of God's presence. Not approaching with dread and fear, but with confidence, with reverence and awe to delight in God. That is what our text offers us this morning. Heavenly Sabbath rest, which we taste here today. When we gather together, it is a call to us, a reminder to look forward, anticipate the fullness of this day in glory. Amen. Praise God. Let us find our sweet fellowship and delight in Him. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, You have poured out upon us in Christ Jesus grace upon grace. Even before the foundation of the world, You chose us in Him that we should be adopted into Your royal family as children of God. United to You through Jesus Christ. having life everlasting in Him who rose from the grave, who ascended into heaven into unbreachable, everlasting life, never to die again. We thank You that You have given us that great gift that we would share in that life. And as we go from this place today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be upon us, that you would sanctify us, that we would be devoted to you, that we would serve you faithfully, delighting in your holy presence, enjoying you. And know the sweet gift of your fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.